The Last Word with Matt Cooper. It was reported in the Irish Daily Mail on Saturday that Joseph Pushka was a convicted sex offender in his native Slovakia before he moved to Ireland. That he had been convicted as a juvenile in his home country for consensual sex with a girl who was under the age of 15 for which he had received probation. He was also a person of interest in two assault cases involving women in two other countries. One in England, one in the Czech Republic and the one in England uh, happened at a time when he was visiting England from Ireland where he had set up home. This information at a time when it just today the Gardaí announced they can now share information including photographs about sex offenders with members of the public. Conor Lally, Crime and Security Editor of the Irish Times. What are the new powers available to Gardaí from today? So essentially, Matt, um, from today, if Gardaí have concerns about a sex offender that they're aware of, um, and this could be, you know, loitering around the school, you know, even places like, um, you know, places where any uh, children or vulnerable people, um, you know, access uh, services or or, or uh, uh, reside, um, the Gardaí can effectively uh, contact the staff there or contact any other people um, who have dealings with those children or vulnerable people. And they can essentially tell them that there's a sex offender in the area and they can even show those people a picture of the sex offender. So the idea of it is is to, you know, uh, you know, to increase awareness um, around the presence of that person in a particular area. Also to alert people like school principals if a known sex offender is acting in a strange way or is even, you know, hanging around outside of school. Um, so the idea is to basically empower people so they can, you know, uh, you know, be more cautious and warn other people, basically. Do we know how many people are on the sex offenders register in Ireland and what circumstances they get on it and how long do they remain on it? Yeah, I mean... It- you know, there's well over a thousand people on the sex offenders uh, register map. The last check, I think, it was uh, seventeen um, hundred in Ireland. And essentially, it really depends on what type of sexual offence you're convicted of and how long you are actually um, jailed. Um, so, if you're jailed for a longer period of time, you will be on the register for a longer period of time. And then, once you're on it, um, really, you have to inform the guardie, uh, you know, where you live, um, any change of address anytime you leave the country and anytime you come back into the country. Now under this new um, Sex Offenders Act uh, that has been implemented um, today, the time periods that sex offenders normally had to inform Gardaí of any change of address or even to inform Gardaí where they were going to be uh, living when they left jail, they always had seven days to um, register with the guards but now they only have three. So the idea is to, you know, restrict them a bit more so the Gardaí can keep a closer eye on them. but really, we don't have any tagging here. Um, which, which I was just about know. to ask you about, because yeah. is there evidence from other countries that electronic tagging would actually work? So that rather than maybe depending on a school realising that there's a sex offender nearby, that actually the electronic tagging would actually allow alert the guardie to somebody being in a place where they shouldn't be? That's true. Um, I mean, the... 
the idea of the electronic tagging obviously is that you can keep a very close eye on, on uh, people. You can also um, the big upside of it, re- of it really is is that you can you can spot any changes in the behaviour of a person. So generally, what will you know what can happen is is that some sex offenders they may be stable and you know doing well for a period of time, and you know complying with all the restrictions that are around them. You know being barred from entering certain areas or from you know hanging around outside schools and so on. Sometimes then their behaviour can begin to slip and once it does that over, you know, sometimes even a very short period of time, they can sexually offend again. So the benefit of the tagging is the minute you spot any change in behaviour, any of that slippage, you, you know, that that's a warning light um, effectively. Um, and you can, you know, the idea is obviously that you can uh, you can intervene before that person goes on to get to uh, carry out any further sexual crimes. But to be honest with you, in some countries where they have tagging, um, it's not just about tagging sex offenders, it's about tagging other people. And really what it has been used for is to control overcrowding in jails. So people will be set free on, on the understanding that they will serve the last part of their sentence on a tag. So the intention is good, um, but the reality in other places often is that it simply is just used to shorten jail terms and to clear jails and to, you know, create extra space in overcrowded uh, prisons. Okay, let's bring in Dr. Tina Sadler, Executive Director of the Rape Crisis Network Ireland. Uh, What do you think of the idea of electronic tagging of those who have been convicted, who may have served a prison sentence, who may not have served a prison sentence? Um, well, well, I, same as, as Conor Lally has just said there, you know, it is an additional way that, that we can be informed about, particularly as, as he says, changes in behaviour or a beginning of a pattern of behaviour, which may indicate that they're, that they're, you know, building up to offending again and then an intervention can happen. So yes, useful in theory. Um, the, obviously there is the, the question there that Conor Lally has raised around how it is in, in fact used. But the other part of, of of it is, of course, is that the, um, you know, very, you know, often a lot of the, you know, we know that, that the offenders often know the person they're offending against. So this isn't a question of um, them leaving the house in order to offend, you know, the way. So it can give you very limited information. And for some types of offenders, it can be useful. For others, it's less useful in terms of the type of information coming back in. But as Connor said, it, it allows the Gardaí to have that information as opposed to waiting for to be informed by the community, which may or may not be in a position to inform the Gardaí. And what about then as well, when people are imprisoned or if they get suspended sentences, having to take counselling or treatment before they are allowed to return to normal freedoms? Mm. I mean, the, the whole question of, uh, I suppose, what, what we've called sex offender treatment, um, you know, it's controversial enough because it, uh, particularly when we're, when we're talking about adults, uh, its effectiveness is really quite limited. And it really has to be something that you volunteer into and you cannot be mandated into. So you need, you need people, to, offenders to be volunteering in. And you, it's also, it's quite a commitment in terms of having an impact on re, re, recidivism. Now it is, you know, intervening with re- really young offenders. So the teenagers and teenage boys, it can be really effective at that point. But you've got to be at the early stages of a, of a pattern of offending for it to be really, really impactful. So it sounds reassuring that we would require 
all offenders to have counselling before they leave. But actually, it's a highly skilled and, and risky um, endeavour to undertake with, with un- uncertain outcomes. And Cleena, this new laws available or the new powers available to the Guardi from today to distribute information, do you think that's going to be really helpful? I, I think it certainly will be helpful in terms of oftentimes the the people who have been managing, if you like, the the existing regime of sex offending. You know, a lot of this act is about fixing some of the things that they've been flagging, saying, "Look, at, we know someone's a risk, but our hands are tied." And and this the the new powers really allow them to take action, um, you know, to step up the types of actions they can take. And one of those which is reassuring for victims is knowing that the guardy can and indeed will inform them if they are being targeted by someone who is a risk to them, was known to be a risk to them, that that can now happen in a very direct manner to them. So I think that's important um, because it really begins to empower. And it, this is in a controlled way. There's a there's a whole process of risk assessment where a decision will be made to go out to the school principal or indeed for example, the woman who has been targeted for a relationship with someone who is known to be an offender, for example. Um, you know, the, the, the decision to inform those um, is, is going to be taken in a, in a controlled manner. But knowing as a victim that that, that that is out there as a vulnerable person, as a member of the community, that you may have this information um, is, is really helpful, I think. The only thing for us, sorry, if I may, that's missing, um, and one of the things that we asked for throughout the bill is that there's no obligation yet for, for victims to be informed when the person who offended against them has a change in circumstance. Um, so that, that for us isn't written into the Act and that's for a, a disappointment for us. Well, one last thing, Dr. Cleena Sadler from the Rape Crisis Network Ireland. The vast majority of people who are on this list are very likely Irish men but there also may be foreign born individuals who have committed offences while in Ireland who have been put on the list and then I've just given at the very outset details of Joseph Pushka's previous uh, convictions or investigations into him in other countries. What information is the Gardaí likely to get from other police forces when somebody comes to live in the country or is it feasible to be able to expect to get that? I my understanding is that that there isn't a uniformity around that because obviously every country has its own system of of sex offender you know of the, this type of regime of monitoring um, sex offenders. What what we have in Ireland is where where we have a sex offender, no matter what nationality, on our list here. That when they go abroad, they have to inform the Gardaí of that they're going abroad when they're coming back and where they're staying and address where they're staying when they are abroad, so that they don't, if you like, escape monitoring when they leave the country. Um so that's so that's the part we do from from this end, if you like. Um the you know the other end the other part that's important in this is that judges have now been given the right to or the, the capacity to to prohibit people, sex of, sex offenders from certain jobs. So jobs for example with children, they can simply give them a blanket prohibition. Whereas before we would have been waiting for a vetting process later on that may or may not be undertaken for that particular role. Now the provision there's a prohib- prohibition possible saying you cannot work with children. Thank you very much for that. Dr. Cleena Sadler from the Rape Crisis Network Ireland and Conor Lally, Crime and Security Editor of the Irish Times. The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Weekdays from 4.30. Today, F-